You good, T-Minus? The very first topic that we are going to have for today is going to be the top four picks in the NBA draft coming up this June. Um, the draft order has not been decided. The lottery will be coming up here in the middle of May. And then from there, pretty much everyone will know who will be taking Zeon. Following that, number two pick, most likely going to be Morant from Murray State, the third We'll be following would be R.J. Barrett from Duke. Kind of depends where the picks land. If the Suns get the second pick, they're probably going to take Morant solely based off the fact that they need a point guard that can help Devin Booker in the backcourt, um, help him get better shots than he's already getting in most of his games. They need a point guard that can help DeAndre Ayton in pick-and-roll situations, get him easy lay-ins and lobs at the rim. Um, that's definitely going to help Ayton develop. Kind of make him more of a Clint Capella type player, even though he's got better post moves than Capella. Um, if the Suns are picking second, like I said, they're definitely going to take Moran, I think. Um, after that, I think RJ will go, no matter who's there. Um, if it's the Bulls, um, if it's the Pelicans, Wizards, Hawks, any of those teams, um, I think pretty much he's a lock to go three. Um, and then after that, it's kind of up to discussion who's going to go for. Um, one of the players that has been mentioned about going for is uh, Huchamara from Gonzaga. Um, he's been up on a lot of mocks. Colby White from North Carolina, the point guard there. Um, Jared Culver from Texas Tech. DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. Um, I think if I was taken at four, I would definitely think um, of taking DeAndre Ayton um, from Virginia. We saw what he did in... The NCAA championship game against Jared Culver, who's also projected a top 10 pick. Um, he held Culver to an absolute disaster of a game. Culver shot 5 of 22 from the field. Culver actually only scored one basket on DeAndre Hunter when guarded by him. Um, if, you, if you watch the game, Jared Culver only scored his baskets um, off of ball switches um, that Virginia made. A lot of the times he got a switch on to Keon Clark, the little point guard there, or on Braxton Key off of switches, kind of went by. Both of them scored. Um, so, yeah, only one basket on him. That was not a good showing from Culver. Not a good not a good way to cement himself as a four-pick, potentially. Um, Hunter's absolutely amazing on both ends of the floor. Uh, he won ACC Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. Um, he has an ability to score on the offensive end from all three levels, uh, the post, mid-range, and from the three. He was a really good three. He was a pretty good de- uh, three-point shooter this season. Um, he can score off the dribble as well, which is needed um, in today's NBA game. If you're able to do all sorts, of, if you're able to do those things um, as a wing, you're going to be pretty successful in the NBA right now, um, which he can do. Um, uh, like I said, uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He's an animal on the defensive end. Um, he's got an ability to guard one through four. He can switch every ball screen. He can play on guards, bigger guys, wings. Um, which we're seeing a lot in the NBA today. Um, he's shown why he's a better player than Culver, like I said, in the NCAA title game without throwing any other stats at you. I mean, he just completely dominated him. Um, Culver, I think, is a good player. Um, but after watching that game, I mean, DeAndre Hunter is just a better player just from the IQ test, just from watching that, just from the eye test. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty certain that he's the better player there. Uh, another thing that Hunter's been able to do that – 
could be attractive to a lot of teams that are picking at four is he has an ability to score while not even being the main option on a team, which is really important. Um, a lot of guys, if they're the main option, it's a lot. It's easier for them to score baskets just because they're getting up shots. Um, when you're not getting as many shots as uh, the first and secondary option, um, that can really hurt your offensive production, but not really with Hunter. I mean, um, he was able to score um, 15 a game at uh, this season at Virginia, um, which is a pretty nice clip. I mean, he was the third option, like I said, behind Jerome and Guy. Jerome and Guy really had the ball in their hands a lot. Um, a lot of stuff that they ran was for really those two guys, um, either with pick and rolls with Jerome or Guy, um, just Guy coming off um, screens that they have and that blocker offense that they run. Um, DeAndre Hunter's really shown no effects of being able to, sh- to uh, struggle to score as a third option, which is nice um, because, I mean, I'm sure most of his life he was the f- – primary or secondary option in high school um so that's something that is really beneficial to him as well um he shot over 50 percent from the field this year so i mean he's really efficient from the field which definitely helps um he saved virginia's season in the title game he had a monster second half um so he's able to to show that he can perform on the big stage as well which is another big thing when you're picking that high in the draft you want to get somebody um that is able to do that, especially picking that high. You're looking at a player that can turn around or help to turn around a bad team. Um, whether who's picking at four there, I don't know if it's going to be the Bulls, if it's going to be the Pelicans. I mean, we'll see when the lottery comes out. Um, the wings are valued so much um, in the NBA today just because of their ability to guard and switch multiple positions. Um, if they're able to play big and guard, I mean, those are huge. And Hunter has ability to do all those necessary things. Um, he can score off of pick and rolls, which is well, too. He can spot up and shoot, which you saw if you only watch Virginia play once in the national title game. Um, his ability to, to, to post up smaller wings or guards on switches, which is another nice thing that he takes advantage of. Uh, he did it all year if you actually watch Virginia. Um, and score in pick and rolls even as not the primary ball handler. Um, even in pick and pop situations, he's really good in those situations as well, which could definitely help him um, in the NBA at the next level. I know that a lot of people have kind of been comparing him to a Kawhi Leonard type of player. Uh, I don't know if he can be, I mean, Kawhi's Leonard, I mean, Kawhi right now is top 10 NBA player right now. I mean, I don't know if he can be that level, um, but his game is a lot like Leonard where he can take you at all three different levels, like I said, post, mid-range, three. Um, He can take you off the bounce, which is nice, and he's a terrific defender, which will help him. Um, If you watch them play, I mean, you know that Hunter is an NBA starter on the wing position. Um, I think he can definitely live up to that. And, I mean, who knows with him? I mean, he he was a lot better from his freshman to, to sophomore year at Virginia, and I think from here it kind of just only goes up, and he may have potential all-star with his type of talent. All right, the next topic that we're going to get into t- for today um, that everyone is probably wonder, run, wondering about, hearing about, what are the Lakers going to do next? Um, Magic Johnson resigned from the position last week. I don't know what 
I'm not quite sure what was going on in his head. He said he wanted to go back to having fun. I don't really know. Um, he had a lot of bad mistakes as the GM. Um, he did get Mozgov off of the books. That um, was nice. He, um, he also did get rid of D'Angelo Russell in that process, which hurt as Russell's having his best season as an NBA pro. He also let Brooke Lopez walk, who had a good year with the Bucks. He also let Julius Randle walk, who had his best NBA season this year with the Pelicans. He also traded Lou Williams when he first got the job, which now Lou Williams is absolutely killing with the Clippers. So some bad mistakes here. Uh, Luke Walton has mutually agreed to part ways with the Lakers. Uh, no, I think he was just fired. Uh, it was just a nice way to put things. I know he had a good relationship with the front office with the Lakers, and then obviously he lands a job with the Kings, so good for him. It seems like it's a complete mess right now with the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers are going to have to start by hiring a new coach like really soon, um, and it's going to be between Monty Williams or Ty Lue. Um, it's not going to be anyone else regardless of who they're bringing in for an interview, but both of these guys have had experience with LeBron, and Rob Palenka knows that, the GM for the Lakers. The Lakers are going to have to hire someone who has had experience with LeBron because of the hole they're currently in, which is a complete embarrassment. They're not going to hire someone who's had no experience with LeBron because the same situation with Luke Halton might happen all over once again. It probably would happen all over once again if they hired somebody like Jawan Howard, who they say is someone that they might be interviewing for the position, or Jason Kidd. That's just an, I just do not see that happening. They're going to be bringing in someone who's familiar with LeBron, um, Someone who LeBron can trust. I think once that LeBron is able to to give his respect to the coach, um, I think that's going to help a lot of other teammates on the team give respect to the coach. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But I think those two guys are the are the front runners right now for the Lakers. I think those two guys are going to be getting the job. I don't think there's anybody else that's going to be getting it. Um, with LeBron, I mean, you're signing yourself up for a roller coaster ride. I mean, with the highs of competing for championships championships and the lows of dealing with all the sorts of drama that surround um the franchise when LeBron's around I mean there's a bunch of different drama I mean him not publicly requesting to fire coaches um I mean I'm really not sure everything that happened with Anthony Davis this year I mean I know that uh, ADs with Clutch Sports there, Rich Paul, his agent. I don't know if LeBron kind of sent the hint out to the Lakers to get rid of all the young guys for AD. Um, but, I mean, that's just a drama that's going to come with having with LeBron. Like I said, it's just a roller coaster ride. Um, when you get LeBron, I mean, the thing here with the Lakers is you get LeBron, you miss the playoffs. Magic Johnson, who's a, a, a top three Laker of all time, he steps down um, out of nowhere. I, I, it's it's just a mess. I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. Um, I do know that they're going to be getting Monty Williams or Tyron Lue. Um, I probably Tyron Lue gets a slight advantage here just because he has a title with LeBron. Monty Williams, he does have experience with LeBron on Team USA, um, even though this isn't the most appealing type of formality. Um, I think it definitely helps in his case. And as a report tweeted out today that they're gonna, the Lakers are going to be meeting with Monty pretty soon here. So we'll see what happens from there. Um, from there, you look at the draft. The Lakers are going to have a lottery pick inside the top 14, which is nice. Um, with this, they need to either move it or they need to select a shooter. Um, I don't know what shooter they're going to select. 
Um, if Cam Reddish drops, I think Cam Reddish is somebody that the Lakers will definitely take just because their need for shooting um, and their need for a two-guard. They were kind of desperate when they were signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope this, this offseason and when they also got Lance Stevenson. So a two-guard is definitely a need. Um, the Lakers' roster construction this season was a complete joke. I mean, you have two point guards on your team that play who can't shoot. Um, and then Luke Wallen at the beginning of the season, his rotations were not the greatest. At the end of games, he was playing two point guards at the same time with LeBron, two point guards that cannot shoot that also need their hands, need the ball in their hands, just like LeBron. I'm not really sure where Luke was going with that rotation. I think that's kind of why he's out, um, and I think those two, they just do the same thing, so it's just not the greatest roster construction there. I don't, I don't know what Magic and Rob are thinking, but we're past that now. Um, the Lakers ranked in the bottom of the ha- bottom half of the NBA in three-point shooting, which was not nice to see at all. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought that they would be okay, um, kind of shooters that they had. I mean, Ingram and Kuzma were good shooters. Um I thought that they would kind of be okay for them. Contavious Caldwell-Pope I thought would be okay, but it just really didn't work. Um, and Magic and Palinka, they kind of went against the MO uh, that works with LeBron, um, the MO of having shooters that surround him. I'm not sure what they were thinking there. It was a failed experiment, and off we go into the offseason. Um, out of the current roster that we have, I mean, I got to believe the only vets that are going to stay are JaVale McGee. Um, I do think there's a chance that Rondo will get a contract if Lonzo Ball is potentially traded. Um, just solely based off of the fact that they do the same thing. And as guards, as point guards on your team, I don't know if you really want two guards that do the same exact thing and two guards that really can't shoot with LeBron. Um, out of the young guys, I think some of them are going to be moved. Um, I think because of what Ingram did in the final 20 games after the All-Star break, uh, the Lakers might be hesitant to move him, unless, of course, it's for Anthony Davis. I mean, Ingram was very, very good the last 20 games. I wasn't the biggest fan of Ingram, but what I saw from the last 20 games, um, he was just a complete different type of animal. It seemed like besides LeBron, he was the only one that was kind of pushing for us to make the playoffs with this play. I mean, he was very good the last 20 games, so I'll give him that. Um then free agency kind of follows after that. The Lakers, they're not going to be getting KD um, or Klay Thompson. I think Klay Thompson stays put with the Warriors. I think Clay, I think Kevin Durant's leaving. I don't know where exactly Kevin Durant's going to go. Um, a lot of people have been saying the Knicks. I don't know if it's the Knicks, but I think Kevin Durant is gone. I think the only way that Kevin Durant does stay with the Warriors is if they trade Draymond Green. I th- kind of think the feud that they had in the be- at the beginning – of the season is not something that Kevin Durant just wants to deal with anymore with Draymond. Um, So I think that's really the only way KD stays in Golden State there. Um, And then you have Kawhi and Kyrie. Um, They may seem more realistic, but I don't see them coming based off of what the media has said, um, which can be false at times, but I'm not really sold on either of them coming. As Kyrie said, I mean, Kind of wants his own t- his own team. I don't know if he really wants that now after seeing what's going on with Boston. Um, Kawhi, I think Kawhi is going to end up eventually going to the Clippers. Um, I mean, it would be awesome to see Kawhi with the Lakers kind of be the savior for us, help us. But I think that he wants his own team as well. And with the Clippers, I mean, they got a bunch of 
a bunch of good role players, and they seem like they're going in a, in a good direction there. I mean, Jerry West helped turn around the, the Warriors. I mean, he's gonna he's turning around the Clippers right now. So um, I feel like our chances may be better of getting Kyrie if the Lakers hire Tyron Lue uh, just because of his uh, familiarity with, with Lue and LeBron. Um, so, yeah, I think that might help us, but I just don't see that happening either. And then from there, I mean, what's kind of next? I mean... You have the the tier B free agents of like Kemba Walker, Nikola Vucevic for the Magic, who was very good this year. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. I mean, if the Lakers can't land Kemba, I mean, the next step I feel like would just be going all in on Jimmy Butler. I mean, before Jimmy Butler got traded to Philly, people seemed to forget that this guy was a perennial All Star in the NBA. I mean, he was a very very good player. I mean, him. Kawhi and Paul George were kind of at that same that same level um and then obviously you saw Kawhi Leonard kind of take that leap and you saw Paul George really take that leap this year when he scored when he's averaging like 27 28 a game um so I mean I think people kind of seem to forget that with Jimmy Butler I mean he's still a very very good player I mean now with the Sixers I mean he's like the third option on their team I mean his shots per game obviously dropped when he got traded to Philly um, and then obviously everyone thinks what what happened in Minnesota. He's a bad teammate. This and that. I'm not really sure what to think about that. Um, I do think he fits pretty decently next to LeBron. Uh, Jimmy can shoot. He's he's a good catch and shoot player. I mean, I'm not going to say he's very good. Um, he defends your best player on night nightly basis, which is nice for him. That'll definitely help the Lakers getting a wing that can defend. Um, he can score on possessions where it seems like LeBron is conserving energy, um, which happens. I mean, if you watch the Lakers or if you watch the Cavs in the past, um, he definitely takes off possessions just because he's getting tired of carrying the load, kind of like what Harden does with the Rockets if you ever watch them play. Um, Jimmy isn't the greatest three-point shooter. I mean, he only shoots about 35% from three in his career, which isn't the greatest, but he does a lot of things well that can complement LeBron. Like I, like I said, guarding the best opposing team's best player, play inside it out, good catch-and-shoot player, can score when LeBron's seemingly fatigued, things like that. So I think he'd be a good fit. Um, just getting a star next to LeBron obviously would be the big thing here. If the Lakers strike out on Kemba and Jimmy, I mean, I don't really think they go after any other big names in free agency at least. I mean, they're going to keep discussing with the Pelicans on AD. Um, if that falls through, the Lakers then got to move on to a final resort. And I think the final resort for the Lakers, if they can't get Durant, they can't get Clay, they don't get Kawhi, they don't get Kyrie, they don't get Kemba, they don't get Jimmy, I don't think Tobias Harris and Vucevic are real options for them. I think, honestly, their final resort would probably be to call the Wizards um, and to put a a package together for Bradley Beal. This season, there was some rumors that the Lakers were interested in trading for Beal. Um, They never pulled the trigger, which they never do. They didn't pull the trigger on Paul George. They didn't pull the trigger on Kawhi because they just thought he would be there. Um, There were some discussions of the Lakers pulling a trigger for Beal. Um, I think Beal fits awesome next to LeBron. Um... I don't know what the Wizards' asking price would be for Beal, um, but Beal's an all-star in this league. I mean, he's young, he's athletic, he's a really good scorer, he's a good defender, he's a really good shooter. Um, he, he was an all-star this year. He was awesome for the Wizards once John Wall went out. 
His playmaking went up, which is nice. I mean, obviously, his usage rate's higher without Wall, but things that you thought he could not do with John Wall, um, he was able to show. I mean, so, like I said, like with his playmaking ability, um, he still got relatively good shots without John Wall. I mean, his stats went up without John, obviously, because I said without usage, with, with the usage rate going up. But it seemed like his three-point percentage went up without Wall. I mean, all sorts of things like that. Um Everything that would be great to play alongside with LeBron if the Lakers could get him um, fits, I think, perfectly with LeBron. If the Lakers could give up maybe like a Kuzma, a lottery pick, Josh Hart, and then whatever else uh, to fix the salary compensations, if I'm the Lakers and the Wizards are agreeing to it, I would instantly pull the trigger if all else fails here. Um, the Lakers, I don't think, will look to start, will, will not look to start will not look the same starting next season. Uh, I just do not think there's any way they will look the same. I think that some of these young guys will be moved, um, maybe all. I think a lot of what's going on with Lonzo right now, his injuries I think have kind of uh, hurt him a little bit. Um, the Lakers were playing good till he got hurt in that Rockets game there, and then after that everything kind of went downhill, even without LeBron. Um, and I think everything that his dad I think his dad is kind of pulled his dad has kind of took a toll on the Lakers front office and I honestly would not be shocked at all if Lonzo was moved this summer um as long as as well as Josh Hart um I think Josh Hart would be a pretty decent role player for the Lakers going forward though I mean obviously I don't think he's a starting two guard in the league but he's a good role player in the NBA I think so um yeah, and with that, I mean, a complete overhaul is probably necessary. I mean, every single player I don't think will be gone. Uh, I think a lot of them will be gone. But from there, I mean, like I said with the vets there, I mean, I do not think Lance Stevenson comes back. I don't think there's any way at all. With Rondo, I think Rondo only comes back if if uh, Lonzo's traded. I think JaVale, it makes sense to bring back JaVale just because of his rim protecting. Um his athletic ability, I think that he was pretty good with LeBron. I think he fit pretty well with LeBron, even though LeBron kind of gets, um, kind of gets this this mo that you need a big guy to play with LeBron just so he can stretch the floor out. Um, I don't think that was the case this year with Javale. I think with Javale and LeBron on the floor together, I think their ratio together for plus minus was actually plus. With LeBron and any other vet that he had out there, with Rondo, Lance, any of those guys, I think their ratio together on the floor was minus. Um, so I think those two together is a fine fit. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much what's going to happen here with the Lakers coming up in the next few months and with free agency and everything else that falls after that. All right, the third topic that I do want to discuss is uh, Russell Wilson and what Russell Wilson has done. Um, he saved the Seahawks franchise um, when he got drafted in 2012. Um, them taking him, them taking him was was a very, very good pick at the time. I mean, a lot of people question it just because of his size, this and that, blah, blah. Um, before, leading up to 2012, there was a few seasons there. Um, the Seahawks were awful. Um, they were bad for like a four-year stretch. It was not going good for the Seahawks. I mean, they were winning four, five, six games a year. They went through uh, a couple different quarterbacks there. Um, him getting a contract extension was something that 
had to happen for the Seahawks to stay relevant in the NFL right now. Uh, they had no business even being in the playoffs last year. They lose Earl Thomas early on in the season. Bobby Wagner's pretty much their, their, their rock on defense. They had a good defensive line as well. Um, Chris Carson really helped with the rush game, but I mean, everything all leads back to, to Ross. I mean, this guy's amazing. What Russell Wilson has done the last two seasons is, is pretty remarkable, even without mentioning what he did the few seasons before that. Um, before last year, Russell Wilson had gone three straight NFL seasons without a hundred, without a thousand yard rusher. And that's, that's honestly insane. Um, they had no run game at all the previous three seasons and he made the playoffs two out of three times, which is, uh, which is pretty remarkable. And, um, before last season, his rushing attack was ranked in the bottom 12 for three straight seasons, um, and that's what happens when you don't have a thousand yard rusher on your team. It would have been even if it would have been even worse if he didn't even use his legs to run on some of those plays. I mean, that is all accounted for with um the rushing attack stats for your team. Uh his offensive line's been pretty awful now for a while. It seems like he it seemed like it was getting better slowly with the different offensive line coaches that they were bringing in. Uh, but it seems to have regressed the last two seasons of their offensive line. Every decent weapon that Russell Wilson has had, uh, Paul Richardson, Jimmy Graham, Marshawn Lynch, Jermaine Curse. Uh, I know Marshawn Lynch was getting a little older, but the Seahawks let those guys walk. Um, they let those guys walk because of Russell Wilson. He can make below average wide receivers in the NFL look above average just solely based off the fact that he's extremely accurate with the ball. Um, I think last year there was some insane stat about Russell Wilson that blew my mind. Um he accounted for like 37 out of 38 offensive touchdowns the Seahawks scored. That's that is amazing. Um, he scored 37 out of the 38 offensive touchdowns the Seahawks had. Um, he's got to do everything for the Seahawks offensively at least. Um, I think he's re- I think he's the most underrated player in the NFL. Um, I think that there is a very very strong case for him to be a top that he is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's accounted for, I think, at least 65% of the offense the Seahawks have had as well in um, the last five seasons, which is pretty astonishing, even considering the number of touchdowns he scored for the team. Um, everyone is all, everyone always wants to bring in the Legion of Boom arguments to help argue against Russell Wilson. The argument that his, def- that his defense was very good, um, the defense was awesome, but without Russ, that defense isn't getting that title. Um, that they had the year that they absolutely annihilated the the Broncos. Uh, the Legion of Boom is gone now. Uh, they had Earl Thomas there, Cam Chancellor, um, Richard Sherman, and then they kind of went back and forth with some corners they had, Byron Maxwell, um, another guy there too. I can't remember his name. Uh, Brandon Browner. They kind of went back and forth with those guys. Um Russell Wilson is is still churning out historic numbers even without that defense. So I mean that defense carrying him argument. I mean I don't I think that's kind of a lot. I think that's kind of bull. Um, he's still getting to the Seah- he's still getting the Seahawks to the playoffs on a yearly basis. Um, maybe not in the title conversations that everyone wants to see, but you need great you need great players to win a title at any professional level. He really only has two great players on his roster right now. Um, it's him and Bobby Wagner. I mean, Doug Baldwin is kind of a shell of himself. I mean, I still I know he puts up decent numbers year in and year out, but he's kind of a shell of himself of what he was. Um, he deals with an offensive, a horrible offensive line each and every year. Uh, a completely new secondary that's revamped. 
a good a pretty good defensive line. Um, I will give the Seahawks that they do have a pretty solid defensive line there. And finally, he's got a running back after three years that's able to help him. Uh, finally, the Seahawks give him some sort of help there. Uh, Chris Carson took a lot off of him last year. The Seahawks, before Russell Wilson al- arrived, also they were twenty three and forty one. Uh, yeah, twenty three and forty one. The previous four seasons. That's horrible. Uh, that is very, very bad. The f- the previous four seasons he gets there, they went twenty three games in four seasons, um, and then all of a sudden he arrives in two thousand twelve and. Uh, the next couple seasons there, they, they went 46 games, 46 and 18 the next four seasons. Um, not only that, but in his rookie season, the Seahawks offense um, was ranked ninth, and then from there, it, it stays pretty much steady. 2013, eighth. Their offense is ranked 2014, 10th. 2015, fourth. Their offense steadily improves, improves once he gets there. Um, he kind of, he really does. He, I mean, he saves them. Um, I, I know you can put the Legion of Boom in there as a title conversation, but he gets them to the playoffs each and every year, even without the Legion of Boom, um, like they had last year. He gets them to the playoffs. I mean, he, he is honest. He is remarkable. Um, him getting that contract extension is well-deserved. Every year that he plays with the Seahawks, like I said, they're ranked inside of the top 10 in scoring offense. Um, and like I said, I mean, him getting that contract extension is the best thing to happen to the Seahawks organization since they drafted him in 2012 in the third round um, when a lot of people were saying, oh, I don't know about this pick. He's smaller, kind of comparing him to Drew Brees just because of his height and all that. Um, him demanding the contract was something that needed to be taken care of. Um, I think that was a, I think that was a great idea for him to demand that contract before the April before April fifteenth. Um, he was putting a lot of pressure on them, um, and I think that pressure was needed. Um, I think he had to do that in order to get the type of money that he deserved. Um, and he deserves a lot of credit for what he has done with the Seahawks. Um, so that contract is is de- deservingly so. And, um, yeah, like I mentioned, Russell Wilson has saved the, the, the Seahawks franchise, um, at least from staying relevant in the NFL right now. The last and final topic that I want to get into today, and you don't really hear this much uh, – on regular podcasts or people talking about these types of things, but I'm going to get into college basketball players who have decided to enter the upcoming draft uh, this June. Um, I'm going to avoid the obvious ones in this list who should have entered, like the Zeons, the John Morants, Rihu Chamara, Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, RJ Barrett, like those type of guys. I'm going to avoid those guys because obviously – those guys needed to enter the NBA draft because they're all going to be lottery picks, all that sort. Um, I'm going to get into who made the right decision, who made the wrong decision to declare. Um, the first person I'm going to start off with right now on this list is P.J. Washington from Kentucky, a big guy there. Um, he decided to come back to Kentucky last year um, following his freshman year to expand on his game, and I think it really helped him. I think it paid off immensely. Um, he's going to be a mid first round pick to late first round pick. Uh, I think he's going to be drafted there in the mid first round. Uh, his handles improved a lot. Um, his jump shot, his jump shot in the last season, he really didn't have much of anything outside of the post. Um, his jump shot has improved a lot. His ability to pass out of doubles is also something that he improved on a lot last year at times when he got doubled, he really struggled. And I don't know if it was kind of, 
just kind of reading that, passing out of a double team is a skill. Um, that's just not something you can pick up a basketball and do. Um, and he was able to do that a lot better and a lot more effectively this year. I think this is an easy one, um, and I think that he's made the right decision to declare, to declare in the NBA draft just because of how much he's grown, how much better he's become, and him going from a freshman to sophomore has definitely helped him, and I think that's going to help him in his draft stock as well when he gets selected this year. Uh, the next person on this list is Bruno Fernando from Maryland. If you didn't watch Maryland play this season, you probably have no idea who he is. He's a big guy from Maryland, um, 6'10", power forward slash center, whatever you want to label him as. He's extremely productive in the minutes that he plays, um, and he's got a ton of athletic ability. He's a rebounding machine. I think he grabbed like 10 and a half, 11 rebounds, whatever it was this year. He rebounds extremely high offensive, uh, offensive rebounding rate. He shoots um, a very, very high shooting percentage uh, because he gets a lot of dunks and layups, lobs, things of that sort. No plays are really called for him, even though he can post up a little bit. Um, I think he could end up being like a Montrezl Harrell in the NBA, um, someone who comes off the bench, scores baskets at the rim, rebounds at a outrageous clip. Um, I think he's also made the right decision. Uh, to enter the NBA draft as well, improving from his freshman to sophomore season. The next person on this list, along with his teammate P.J. Washington, is Tyler Harrell. Uh, Harrell is projected to be a mid to late first-round pick in a lot of mock drafts right now. I think Harrell can end up being a decent role player in the NBA based off his size at the two-guard position. I think he's like 6'6", 190, 200, something like that. He's able to shoot the three-ball decently. Um... I think he shot like 37, 36, something like that this season. Uh, he's more, and he's more than able as a, as a capable defender. Um, he could benefit by staying another season, getting a lot better playing with the ball in his hands um, rather than coming off ball screens and things of that sort, which he primarily did this season. Kentucky used him as, um, as kind of their shooter because they really didn't have other shooting there. Ashton Higgins can't shoot. Kelton Johnson's really not that great of a shooter. So he was kind of their primary shooter there. Um, a lot of people, what they're kind of stuck on is the fact that he was an absolute no-show in the Auburn-Kentucky Elite Eight game this season. Um, he did absolutely nothing in the second half. Uh, he does have games where this, where he just kind of completely disappears. If you watch Kentucky play like this, there's there's stretches where he just does absolutely nothing. Um, I don't know if it's the way that Kentucky's offense is ran. Um, I know that he's kind of like their third option there behind P.J. Washington, they kind of go through Calvin Johnson a lot, too. Um, he could really benefit from staying at Kentucky another year, I think, um, just like P.J. Washington did last year. Um, so I don't think he's made the right choice here. I think he's made the wrong, the wrong choice declaring for the draft, even though I he's going to be a mid-first to late-first-round pick. Um, the next person on this list is Tyus Battle from Syracuse. Tyus Battle declared for the NBA draft as, an, as an underclassman as a junior this season. And I'm not really sure why he declared. Uh, I do not think Battle will get drafted. He's not on a lot of mock drafts right now. Um, he's got decent size to him. He's a six six two guard. Um, he can score off the bounce. Um, he really he. I'm not sure how much he really improved from his sophomore to junior season. Um, honestly, I think he probably would have been better going last year. Uh, last year, I think he averaged like 19 a game. This year, he averaged like 17. Um, 
He is his shooting percentage was not that great this season. I mean, he shot forty three percent from the field, um, but other than that, other than scoring, what else does he really do for you? Um, it's hard to tell if Battle's actually a good dis- defender because Syracuse plays their zone. No one really knows if Syracuse have a lot of good defenders until they get to the league, um, because then they kind of get out of that shell playing zone. He shot low thirties from three this year. Um, which is not the greatest. Uh, he doesn't really have anyone. He didn't really make anyone around him much better. Um, even though I know that he wasn't really asked to as the two guard, and Frank Howard was the one. He was asked to play point guard in the one game that Frank Howard was suspended for the NCAA tournament, though, and he did not have the best game at all. Uh, he only had a few assists, I think two or three assists in that game. He shot poorly against Baylor. I know B- Baylor's long, athletic. They play one through one, whatever, so and so, but. Um, I just don't know if Battle's going to be anything other than just a pure shooting guard at the next level. Um, I don't really think he's shown any playmaking ability to consider him as a decent backup point guard in the league. Um, I think he's made the wrong decision, and coming back for his senior year, I think, would have been something that he definitely needed to do. Um, The next person on this list is probably another person a lot of people have not heard of, um, unless you stay up and watch the Pac-12 on the West Coast there is is Ludegorz Dort from Dort from Arizona State. Um, he was kind of a tweener between the one, two, and three positions. He played all three different positions for Arizona State. He's extremely explosive. Uh, he has serious bounce. He's extremely explosive. Uh, he's from Canada. But the one thing that he really, really does struggle with is shooting the basketball. Um, it was a little surprising seeing him declare for draft for for the draft based off the fact that he's not allowed to mock drafts at all. Uh, he only shot 40% from the field, and a good chunk of that percentage came from him attacking the rim, getting dunks, layups, mid-range jump shots, jump shots inside of 10 feet. Uh, he only shot 30% from three, which is not very good. That is below average, uh, which is something that I mentioned previously that he's just really explosive. He likes to get to the rim. Um so I think that maybe him declaring was probably not the best decision. Um, he can defend. He can defend one, two, th- one through three, which is nice because um, of his physical stature, th- his athletic ability, things of that sort. Um, he's a pretty good ball handler. Um, he's a decent playmaker. I think he only averaged like two assists this season per game, which is not the best. But at times when he did have the ball in his hands, he did make plays for others, for others, even if it did not directly lead to assists. Um, like I said, if you did not watch Arizona State play at all, you probably have no idea who he is or how he plays and things of that sort. Um, I think that his decision to declare was not the best. Um, I think he made the wrong decision here. I think if he would have stayed, it would have benefited him a great deal. And I think that he could have potentially been looking at probably a first-round projection next season, early second round, um, just because of like what I said, just because of his physical ability, his athletic, his athletic ability. Getting better with the ball in his hands would have definitely helped him um, and just raising his true shooting percentage, actually shooting the basketball and not getting dunks and layups there that he's accustomed to getting. Um, and like I said, I think he's made a bad decision to enter here. Um, the next and final person on the list is going to be Ty Jerome from Virginia. Um, he was a primary point guard for Virginia. I think Ty Jerome has made the right decision to enter the NBA draft and a lot of mock projections right now. They have him like late first round, early second round pick. Um, some have him in the mid first round. I don't think he'll go that high, but I think he's definitely going to go in the first round, even though, 
there's a good chance he also could go in the second round. I think he's definitely getting picked here. I don't expect him to be some amazing NBA starting point guard, but he's more than capable of being a good backup point guard in the NBA, a very good backup point guard. Um, he's a lot like Fred Van, v- F- Fred Van Vliet was when he was coming out of Wichita State, and now Fred Van Vliet's an awesome backup point guard for the Raptors. Uh, they're both not explosive at all, him and Van Vliet. Um, they're both really good with the basketball in their hands. They really don't turn the ball over a lot. They're smart with the basketball. They hit open shots, which is which is big for bench players off the lead, uh, bench players in the NBA coming off. Um, that's big. Hitting those open shots as a role player off the bench. They get guys around them really, really good shots, and they also defend at a high level, both those guys. So that's kind of where I see Jerome as kind of like a Fred Van Vliet type of player. Um, Jerome was huge in Virginia's title run. Um, he's a he's a good shooter, um, and he can attack the rim really well. He uses his size really, really well. If you watch Virginia play, there was a lot of situations where he kind of went into post-up mode against the smaller guards, um, which is something that I don't know if he'll be able to do at the NBA level because those guards are really not as small as you get in the college level. Um, but I think that he has a chance to be a good backup point guard and maybe possibly a potential starter. I just don't know if that'll happen, but he definitely has a good chance to be a good backup point guard in the league. Um, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't stick around the NBA, at least as a backup point guard, like I just mentioned, um, just because of his ability to defend, get shots for other people, hit open shots, get to the basket, um, just just the things you need in a good, solid backup point guard in the league. Um, I think that he's made the right decision to enter the NBA draft here, and um, I think that he will be a, a pretty decent role player in the league. I'm going to give them something they can feel.